Last Tuesday, some 800 people gathered in beautiful Kerner Hall at the Conservatory of Music of the University of Toronto for an evening of family and song. The band was The Leahys, a group that we featured on this program last week. The Leahys are a family of 11 brothers and sisters. They've been performing together as a family with their dad, Frank, and mom, Julie, since they were all kids. Now, the Leahys are all grown up and have kids of their own. And these kids are now picking up where their parents left off. Last Tuesday at Kerner Hall, we had five Leahy sisters and one brother, 18 of their own kids and nieces and nephews, as well as their parents, Julie and Frank, all on stage performing as one big family. As we reflect on family this year with the World Meeting of Families coming up in Philadelphia and as the bishops speak about the family and family issues at the upcoming Ordinary Synod in October, let's remember the value of family. Families that pass traditions from one generation to the next. Families that pass on faith from one generation to the next. Families that pray for each other, that spend time together working, playing, celebrating. Families that enjoy each other. That is the family of God, the church. That is the family that the church needs to be. Perhaps as we approach Mother's Day in North America this week, we can make an extra effort this year to celebrate our families with time. Work, play, and pray together. Because the family that prays together stays together. And as we saw last Tuesday, they also bring a lot of other families together too. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. A special thanks to the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University, who once again are co-sponsoring this week's program. You can learn more about them at luc.edu slash ips. And let's start the program with announcing a few winners. We have three. Dolores Barbison of Mono, Ontario. Luke Proctor of Lindsay, Ontario. And Roger Haish or Roger Haish of Quispamsis, New Brunswick. They are our three winners this week. Dolores Barbison won a copy of Walls Always and Everywhere. Luke Proctor won a copy of Chris Bray's The Praises of His People. And Roger Haish, you won a copy of Michael James Meddy's Arts and Humanity. Thank you all for listening to our program and for signing up for our weekly draw. We give away prizes every week, and entering our weekly draw is very easy. Just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio and sign up where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. All we need is your name and email address. If you prefer to visit us on Facebook, comment on our posts, and that will also get you entered into the draw. You can also now leave us a direct voice message through this really cool app on our website. Try it out. Let us know what you think of the show, and we'll get you entered into our weekly draw. And who knows, maybe we even may play your message on our show. Today we continue with our usual show format. Stefan Slovak will be here with our news. And of course, Andrew will also be here with a Saint of the Week. And afterwards, Jillian will tell us what she learned from her kids this month. In our second half hour, we'll be speaking with author John Schlim about a remarkable friendship with a nun that changed his life. That's in our second half hour. And after that, we'll be meeting singer-songwriter Trevor Thompson, 
Trevor has a new album, In Shadow and in Light, that includes a deeply spiritual collection as well as a new mass setting. So we'll be speaking with Trevor at the end of the program. But we begin with a song, Here's a Life Transformed, from Trevor Thompson's new album, In Shadow and in Light. Trevor Thompson with A Life Transformed from his new album In Shadow and In Light. And we're going to be speaking with Trevor Thompson in our second half hour and in about 10 minutes, what I learned from my kids. But first, Stefan is here with our news. Stefan, did you enjoy Tuesday night? It was a wonderful, wonderful evening with the Leahy family. It was just uplifting. I think everybody, the energy was... 
Oh, it was palpable. It yes, was, uh, whether it was the you know the siblings themselves or their own children. Yes, uh, it was. Oh, it was just a lot of fun. Made you want to get married and have eleven children, right? <laughs> <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so. Um, uh, having children, ordinations. Is that a good segue? Um, uh, about as good a segue as we can get. I the Holy this point. Father is, uh, he gets to ordain priests. We don't think of that very often, but he does. He right? does. He's the Bishop of Rome. Yes. So uh, if, if he's going to ordain priests in his diocese. Yes. So this past Sunday, uh, he ordained 19 men in St. Peter's Basilica. Um, most of them were for the Diocese of Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some uh, Redemptorist Mater priests there as well, and a couple others. But, uh, but generally speaking, they will minister to the people of Rome. Uh, speaking to them, uh, he kind of put out a manifesto for them. Uh, he told them not to preach boring homilies. <laughs> Good. It's pretty straightforward. Yes, I like it. <laughs> he also said to them uh, not to refuse anybody baptism. Uh, he didn't really elaborate too, too much on it, but he sort of, you know, was saying, baptized, baptized, baptized. Yeah. And he also emphasized, uh, when it came to administering the sacraments, uh, that the confessional should be about consolation, not about condemnation. Good. That's a good soundbite. All good points. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All good points. Um, now, uh, sadly, I know all this week we've been listening to news from Nepal, and the Vatican has been outspoken, of course. Uh, the Vatican and others. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the Pope has instructed the Pontifical Council Cor Unum to mm. release $100,000 immediately for relief. Okay. Uh, so the Vatican's getting involved, trying to just bring some kind of help to these people that they can, given uh, the Church's resources. Yeah. Um, it's already killed 5,000 people. Uh, Seven million are affected. It is a huge, wow. a huge mess of a situation. Um, we also recently heard from Bishop Paul Simic, who is the sole Catholic bishop for the community of approximately 10,000 Catholics in Nepal. Yeah. He said the community is certainly affected. Uh, he himself said he actually had to run for his life when the buildings were literally crumbling all around right. him. So uh, he's lucky to be alive. Uh, he said at this point, uh, prayers are very much needed uh, because there's a real humanitarian disaster happening over there. Yeah, I know. And I know a lot of people are thinking about this and there are lots of opportunities to help through relief and, of course, through prayer. So we will continue to do that for our brothers and sisters in Nepal and, and our Nepalese I don't know if you know any Nepalese people here in North America, but they, they're here and they have relatives uh, there. So we, we'll keep them in our prayers. Now, we started talking about marriage and family, so I guess we'll end by talking about marriage and family. <laughs> that, that's a good... Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, is, is making rulings that are affecting marriage. Uh, marriage, yes. They've, uh, they started hearing arguments this week uh, about same-sex marriage, specifically mm-hmm. whether or not states have the right to ban same-sex marriage uh, within the state. Right. So there's constantly in the, in the United States the struggle between federal powers and state powers. Uh-huh. And um, Archbishop Joseph Kurtz, uh, the president of the USCCB, uh, came out and certainly reiterated the church's mm-hmm. uh, position on this topic, uh, saying that it's really a perennial institution of society. Mm-hmm. Um, he also uh, went out of his way to say that states' rights should be upheld. He uh, said the bishops are really hoping that state states' powers are able mm-hmm. to sort of, you know, really trump in this in, in this situation, federal, just yeah. given just given the history of the country and also the importance of the issue. Okay. Um, he also just went into uh, child uh, children's rights hmm. and said that, you know, every child has the right to a mother and a father. 
uh, and that uh, the bishops and the church in the United States were they, they were going to really defend that and go to bat for uh, for children down there. Interesting. Again, it seems like every week we end by saying that's a story that we're going to keep following, and we'll hear more from that. I'm sure we'll hear we more. Certainly on will as this develops. It's, yes, absolutely. Thank you, Stefan, and thank you for your help last week with the concert. Oh, you're very welcome. At fun. your service. Stefan Slovak, our news uh, correspondent here on the Salt and Light Hour. You can watch Stefan every day, well, Monday to Thursday, at his um, in his daily update, Perspectives, uh, on Salt and Light Television, also online at saltandlighttv.org, and also on your Roku. Hi, everybody. This is Father Robert Barron of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. God bless you all. Salt and Light is now on Roku in Canada, the U.S., the U.K., and Ireland. Find out more at saltandlighttv.org slash Roku. And now it's time for Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Deacon Pedro. Andrew, welcome back. Very good. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. I was going to say happy fourth week of Easter. Fifth yeah, week, oh my goodness, fifth Easter's week, just flying by. Week. Before you yes. know it, we'll be celebrating the birthday of the church. I know, Pentecost. Pentecost. It's coming up. So we have a new saint. Yeah, we do. And um, one thing that I've um, that I've really wanted to look at for a long time, and considering that his feast date is today, uh, uh-huh. today being May the second, um, I'm happy to kind of talk a little bit more about Saint Athanasius. Athanasius. Okay. I yeah, don't know that's much just about a great name. I wish yeah. somebody gave me Athanasius. I can start calling you Athanasius. If hey, you Athanasius, like. how are you? <laughs> All right, Athanasius. <laughs> oh, tell but us. anyways, um, Athanasius was um, a huge part of uh, of our Catholic Church great champion of the faith, and he was born actually in Alexandria, mm-hmm. so in Egypt, uh, around the year 296, uh, to Christian parents, and he was educated under, um, under the time of Alexander, um, later bishop of his native city. Uh, he made great progress. Mm-hmm. He made great progress in learning and in virtue. Uh, in the year 313, uh, Alexander succeeded Achilles in the patriarchal seat. Mm-hmm. And two years later, St. Athanasius went off to the desert to spend some time in retreat with St. Anthony. Right. Interesting. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. In 319, I think you'll appreciate this, he became a deacon. Good. And even in that kind of capacity, he was called upon to take an active part against the rising heresy mm-hmm. of, um, at that time, uh, known as Arius. Mm-hmm. Arius was, Arianism, yeah. as we know, an ambitious priest. He belonged to the Alexandrian Church, and we know that he denied the divinity of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So this was to be kind of the life struggle of St. Athanasius. Uh, fast forward, let's look at the year 325. He assisted his bishop at the Council of Nicaea, right. where his influence uh, began to be felt by all those who participated. Five months later, Alexander died. Mm-hmm. And on his deathbed, he recommended that St. Athanasius be his successor. Okay. So in consequence of that decision or you know that hope uh, Athanasius was unanimously elected patriarch of Alexandria in the year 326 um, Athanasius's refusal to tolerate the Arian heresy was the cause of a lot of persecutions uh, and a lot of a lot of trials really for Athanasius he spent 17 of the 46 years of his episcopate in exile okay very interesting um, after a life of virtue and suffering because of that, um, this great man of his time, uh, this man who defended the Catholic faith and uh, really you know, tried to share the, the joy and the truth of Christ, he died. He died in peace on May the 2nd in the year 373. Let's fast forward to today. Why is he so important up until today? Because St. Athanasius 
was not only a bishop, but today is a recognized doctor of the Church. So um, there's much to look to, um, you know, when we when we think of Athanasius. His feast day in the Universal Church is today, that mm-hmm. being May the 2nd. And, uh, yeah, St. Athanasius the Great, also known as, pray for us. Pray for us. Absolutely. Yep. St. Athanasius. Good. I think that a lot of people uh, maybe did not know much about him, but he is a doctor yeah, of the Church. Yeah, he was persecuted a lot. Great, uh... um, yeah, he was persecuted and went through a lot of trials, and, you know, that really... Um, does resonate with, you know, Christians, um, you know, even at this time in history. So, um, Athanasius, great story. Enjoyed reading about him. That's why I thought uh, he'd be a good saint for Saint of the Week. Very good. Thank you very much. Andrew, Have a great week. Andrew Athanasius. <laughs> Don't know if that'll fly, but... Andrew, uh, Andrew Athanasius Santos. I would love to be like Athanasius, to spread yes. the gospel despite trials and persecution. You so. still can. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Andrew. Andrew Santos, the youth minister at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Unionville, Ontario, and he is also our saint expert. Hello, this is Danielle Rose, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash slradio1. And you can also find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro, and you can follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro. GM. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be here. Happy Easter. Thank you. Have you learned anything this month from your kids? Of course I have. Tell us. I've learned many things. And this one, the lesson I've shared with you today has the potential to kind of go in many different directions. So... Maybe try to keep me on track or, I don't know, take me totally off track. We'll see, we'll see what it turns into. Um, but what they have been teaching me is, math is fun, but my life is a word jumble. Oh, okay. <laughs> that requires explanation, yes. A little bit. Um, so Joseph is in grade one, and he is learning math. And while he remains pretty quiet about what he does at school, he claims he forgets most days what they did at school. He will sometimes, um, we can overhear him speaking with his brother and sister about things that he's learning in math. Um, He does have some enthusiasm for numbers, and so um, the other day we could hear him quizzing our two-year-old Annie, Annie, what's seven plus four? Annie, what's seven plus four? And him becoming audibly frustrated as she could not get the answer despite his best teaching methods. And Annie, remind everybody how old Annie is. She's two and a half. Okay. So <laughs> yes. Did not understand. He's like, well, what about one plus one? Can she get one plus one? I'm like, no, I don't think so. But you can, you can practice all you want. Anyway, so we were, we're working on uh, his math, and this also comes at a time um, when my former and now retired algebra teacher from high school has received an honor. I grew up in a, um, a very small town. Um, and in that town they have something called Citizen of the Year. So every year they choose one individual from the community who has volunteered or just contributed in a uh, particular way. Right. And so this year it, the, the honor is being given to my former algebra teacher for the work that she's been doing in the community, particularly recording the history of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, while I haven't really remained in touch with my algebra teacher from high school, I do uh, remember her, and it's a small town, so everybody knows everybody, and I thought, well, I should write her just a little note to say congratulations. That's exciting to receive this honor. 
Um, and as I sat down to, to pin this note, I was just recalling um, the satisfaction that came with um, algebra. Like I am, I studied past uh, high school, I studied English in university and then went on to get a, to um, study journalism. So I am far, far away from math. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and Joseph's lucky that I know what seven plus four is. But really beyond that, I don't remember terminology. I don't remember just the general idea of algebra. <laughs> I really lost all my uh, sense of what it is and what the equations were. Yes. But uh, what I do remember is the satisfaction that came with when you got it, when you just figured it out and understood and something clicked, and just that um, the neat packaging of it all. Like Once you solved the problem and you knew what X was or Y was or whatever it was, there was no... Re- you, there was no denying it. It was obvious, an obvious answer, and it was irrefutable, and that was just the way it is. And there was there's such pleasure in that for me. Now, fast forward to now when I have four children, and there is no obvious, undeniable solution to any problems or any equations, uh, especially when you're dealing with a two-and-a-half-year-old. There's absolutely nothing that is irrefutable. And so my life is nothing like math. My life is like a word jumble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joseph at school is also bringing home those search words, which he's really enjoying too. And it's fun to sit down with him and try to, to find the words that are hidden upside down and backwards and diagonal. And it's really, when you look at it, it's a mess. And when you add his messy pencils in there, it's just, a, it's a just like letters and pencil lines just threw up all over a piece of paper. And that's really what my life <laughs> looks like. There's nothing neat and tidy about it. Um, but still there is satisfaction in it. There's still satisfaction in finding the word. In, um, it's like a trick. Like you, you've solved the problem. You've gotten the answer. And when you've crossed off all the words on your list and you've found them all in that puzzle, you've fa- and it, yeah, it's just there's something satisfying about that too. So you can find the words and find the hidden meaning um, in your life. It may not be as neat and tidy as math is, but there's still joy and beauty in that. So life, my life is not like math. My life is a word jumble. You're making me. You're making me think that we need to conclude that if if life is like a word jumble, does that mean that heaven will be like math? Because <laughs> because God is so ordered. <laughs> that would be so exciting. That'll be a good title for a book. Yes, heaven is like math. Um, uh, yes, I, I I think I appreciate your newfound uh, appreciation for math and for 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 what we don't know of math. Yeah. Um, I, I'm in the same boat as you with with <laughs> the arts and, and uh, yeah. languages and humanities and, and not a lot. Although I, I loved math and I do remember liking algebra as well. I was one yeah, of the, I, I was I one totally of the kids that got that. it. Yes. And of course, my wife is a, like a, she might as well be a math- mathematician because oh, she's really? the calculus. <laughs> and, and then my younger son is also quite the uh, quite the math genius. So maybe you have a math genius in your family, too. Maybe. That'll be so neat and tidy. I can't wait. Neat and tidy. Yes, can't wait. <laughs> neat and tidy. Once the kids are out of the house, it'll be neat and tidy, right? <laughs> it's not about the house. It's just about the life. <laughs> All right, Jillian, thank you very much for sharing your lesson this month with us. <laughs> thank you. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, and Clara.
Coming up in our second half hour, an unlikely friendship that answered life's greatest questions. And we meet singer-songwriter Trevor Thompson. So don't go anywhere. Change yourself and the world around you with a graduate degree from Loyola's Institute of Pastoral Studies. Loyola's degree programs will give you the skills you need to serve others in the information age. Our brand new digital communication concentration combines Loyola's Jesuit values with the skills to use social media and other digital platforms for outreach and evangelization. To learn more about Loyola's graduate programs and other courses we offer, head to luc.edu ips. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. What if you had the chance to learn the answers to life's greatest questions? This is what author John Schlimm discovered after meeting with Sister Augustine. This story of friendship is now a book, Five Years in Heaven, and to tell us all about it, I am now joined by John Schlimm. John, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, Deacon Pedro. It's so great to be with you and all of your listeners. It is. It's very, very good to have you, too. Um, without giving too much of the story, because we want people to buy <laughs> the book, can you tell us briefly how you ended up meeting Sister Augustine? It was purely by chance, or uh, you know, I like to think of it as divine intervention. Yeah. She ran the... Yes, exactly. She ran the ceramic shop on the grounds of the 150-year-old convent that is in my hometown of St. Mary's, Pennsylvania. And I actually, growing up here, never even knew there was a ceramic shop until I was 31 years old and at one of those crucial crossroads in life where we all find ourselves from time to time, Mm -hmm. and a friend took me there. And that's where the story begins, where I found her tucked away in this little ceramic shop, really hidden away from the world. And one late winter's afternoon, I walked in, and it completely changed my life. Okay, so let me ask you about this, because I read that in the book, and I thought, okay, if I was, the way you describe it, at a crossroads, I, I was having writer's block, or I was feeling a little down, and my friend Stephen said to me, let's go do something fun. Let's go to a ceramic shop. I think I would have, <laughs> I would have passed. So what, 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 other than divine providence, like, why did you say, I mean, he didn't say, let's go to the lake, or let's go fishing, or let's go to the amusement park. So what was it? Or do, do, you, do you not know? Was it truly divine, like that pull that you're like, I just need to get out and it doesn't matter what we do? Well, I think it was a combination of two things. I'm an artist myself, so something about going to a ceramic shop at a convent really piqued my interest. And number two, I just love nuns. You know, who does not love uh, a nun? I okay. just love nuns. Fair, so, fair, so fair. the combination of the two of them, it was an instant light in the darkness before I even got there. Okay, that, that's fair. I, 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 I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Let's go see some nuns. That sounds like fun. Yes, yes. Which, I, you know, I expected to walk into something like Sister Act or The Sound of Music. <laughs> okay, so then that now, is it, maybe this is a good time to point out that you, you did go to a Catholic school. Did you have nuns as teachers, sisters as teachers? I, I did. I did. All the way through, starting with Sister Josepha in first grade, right on up through Sister Kathleen. 
who taught me theology in high school, and my algebra tutor, Sister Mercedes, who really helped me get through that advanced algebra class. <laughs> right. So yes, I, I, I was so fortunate to have them, and you know, unfortunately today, uh, a lot of uh, the Catholic schools don't have nuns. No. I know our Catholic schools here in St. Mary's no longer have nuns teaching in them, and I think that's so sad, yeah. but I just feel so blessed that I got to. That's good, and teachers. and and obviously you had had good nun experiences. Otherwise, you would not have been looking forward to go and see more nuns, presumably, <laughs> right? Yes, there was no. Uh, you know, I, I hear my parents' generation joke <laughs> about the the uh, ruler knuckle cracking yes. nuns of of their day. You know, and perhaps uh, you know they they needed that a little bit. I don't know, but no, I had all great experiences yeah. with them, and so that's why I jumped at the chance to go. Absolutely. And you know what? Again, I think I agree with you because it's my experience. I did not have nuns as teachers. In fact, I went to an Episcopal school growing up, but we were very friendly, my family, with a group of nuns who lived in a, in a convent near where my grandmother lived. And we used to go there all the time and they would give us cookies and, and they were cloistered. So they'd come through the grate and still, you know, they were so much fun and they were always happy and always laughing. Um, so that that's great that you had that experience growing up and that you were looking forward to meeting more nuns. So you met Sister Augustine at that, 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 that day at the ceramic shop. You didn't have to come back. So why did you go back? What was it that made you want to return the next week? Well, when I first met her standing there in the shop, I, I immediately knew there was something very special about her. She had the voice of a grandmother. She had the most beautiful chuckle uh, she would laugh and this amazing twinkle in her eyes. And she really let me know that I had found my way to where I was supposed to be. So that next week, it was really this tugging in my heart, almost like a magnet that just pulled me back uh, into that shop. And I'm so glad it did because that turned into hundreds of visits that would follow over the course of the next five years. Interesting. So so over the next five years, you met with her many, many, many times. You <laughs> yeah. weren't meeting, I mean, it wasn't like she said, come and I'll give you life's, you know, the answers to life's questions. <laughs> um, but you did end up learning a lot throughout the course of your friendship. Can you maybe name, I know this is going to be difficult, but maybe name one either memorable moment uh, or, or, or memorable lesson that you will never, never forget? Well, one afternoon, she and I were making these little clayware crosses that she would make out of her leftover clay because she wasted absolutely nothing. Uh So when she'd be trimming off other pieces, she'd have a little pile of the clay, and eventually those would be turned into these crosses. And I asked her the question. I said, Sister, what is the greatest lesson you've learned in your life? Hmm. And she thought for a moment, and then she said one word forgiveness. Hmm. And that turned into this really fantastic discussion about the power of forgiveness in our lives, which actually formed the basis for chapter six in my book that's called Tiny Crosses. And she really opened my eyes to the fact that when we forgive, we so often we're so we so often are hesitant to forgive because we think we're letting the person who hurt us off the hook. Yes. And she said that's not the case. She said, sure, it's the gift of love and compassion that you're giving to that other person, but it's an even greater gift of love and compassion and freedom that you're giving to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think on a daily basis, we run into circumstances, some more serious than others, that require forgiveness. And sometimes it requires someone forgiving us. 
So every single day I carry that conversation uh, that we had over those tiny little crosses about forgiveness with me. Amazing. And what a, what an interesting image to go with the uh, concept of forgiveness than uh, uh, little crosses. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, I, I, I that's seem to realize there was no such yes. thing as an accident in no. her. <laughs> Studio. No. Every single moment had a purpose. Beautiful, beautiful. So the book is full of those 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 conversations, those lessons, uh, neat stories. What is your hope for this book when you when you decide to put pen to paper? What, what were you thinking? Just sharing stories, or do you, would you like people to reflect on anything in particular? What is your hope for your readers? Sister Augustine once said to me, every story has its time to be told. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that the time was right for this story to be told, just because uh, each of our lives and the world itself is at such a crossroads with so many different things going on in it. And I think that readers are going to find a part of themselves in this story, because I wrote it in such a way that the reader is invited to pull up a chair to the table with us mm -hmm. and to listen right along with me to the lessons and answers that Sister reveals to me about those universal questions we all have. And I, it's my hope that the reader will then draw his or her own meanings and inspirations from the answers that are uh, revealed so that Sister Augustine can be a light in their life as well. Absolutely, and I and I think I know I know it, it's it's done that with me already. So I know it, it'll do that with with your readers. Um, one uh, I, I I don't know maybe again kind of divine divinely providential uh, outcome of of writing the book is this this uh, can I call it a project or or or. or uh, <laughs> well, I'm a not global movement. A global, can I call it a global movement uh, yes. called Thank a Nun? So Thank a Nun Day is May 5th. Can you tell us about that? Well, as I said in the beginning, we all love nuns. <laughs> and uh, you know, the nuns across the world are working so hard to help uh, everyone uh, to lead better lives. But I think so often that they're uh, their work goes unnoticed or underappreciated, mm -hmm. and I wanted to do something about that. So my publisher and I are launching Thank a Nun Day on May 5th, and we're asking everyone to use social media uh, to post their pictures and their memories of their favorite nuns who have touched them in some way by using the hashtag Thank a Nun. And I'm really excited. We have a lot of interest in this from around the world and I think it's really going to let the sisters out there know just how grateful we are for the humility and grace and wisdom that they've shared with us throughout our lives. Yeah, I, I think it's a great initiative. So, so on May 5th, hashtag thank a nun. All social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, share photos and, and also send personal messages to these nuns if you're still in touch with them. Tell them that you <laughs> that you're grateful, right? Um, yes, absolutely. We're going to get nuns trending on May fifth. Yes, let's let's have <laughs> and they deserve every bit of it. Absolutely good. So, if people want to find out more about that, uh, the website for the publisher is imagecatholicbooks.com. But we're going to put a link on our site so it's easy to find. And 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 Salt and Light is going to be right there, uh, tweeting and and sharing stories and and helping. Uh, uh, retweet and and share all all all, all the all the hashtag thank a nuns that we find. Um, thank oh, you, John. Oh, that's so great. It's and we even have a coloring nun activity <laughs> that children can do. 
so that they can also share it. And so the link that you're going to provide in your site will lead people to these images that they can download for okay, their good. children to color. Good. <laughs> and, and, and adult children can also color and post them. Of course. How's of that? Of course. Excellent. I love yes, it. I absolutely. love it. I really hope that this that this becomes a yearly a yearly a yearly event because it's such a wonderful initiative. So John, thank you for the idea, thank you for the book and thank you for what you're doing and and let's uh let's meet one day. I hope I hope to meet with you one day as well and I thank you and all of your listeners. John Schlim is an award-winning writer. His latest book, 5 Years in Heaven: The Unlikely Friendship That Answered Life's Greatest Questions, is published by Image Books and available at a bookstore near you. You can find more at John's website, johnschlim.com. That's Schlim S C H L I M. John Schlim, but I'm going to post that also that link on our site so you can find it easily, johnschlim.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week. Trevor Thompson with Let Your Mercy from his new album In Shadow and in Light. Let your mercy wash over us like the rainfall refreshing the earth let your mercy Wash over us, we your people are thirsting for you. As the deer longs for waters, flowing waters from the stream, so my soul longs for you. Wash over us like the rainfall, refreshing the earth. Let your mercy wash over us. We, your people, are thirsting for you, and the thirsty let them come to the fountain. Waters flood our souls 
sing for you. That was Trevor Thompson with Let Your Mercy from his new album In Shadow and In Light. Trevor Thompson has been a musician all his life and a worship leader for almost 25 years. In 1999, he released his first album, In This Place, and began touring the United States. His latest album is a spiritual collection that includes a new mass setting. And so I am very happy to welcome Trevor to our program today. Trevor, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's good to be with you. So before we talk about the album, um, let's kind of go back. So what was it like growing up in the Thompson household? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, Growing up in the Thompson household, you know, I have an older brother. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, it it, it wasn't always pleasant, you know. I mean, it was a good family that I had, but I come from a broken family. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm really grateful that uh, growing up I had a, a wonderful stepfather. Uh-huh. Was really, really became my father, you know. Um, but you know, uh, we chose. You know, we live in L.A. and yeah. we chose to not have a TV, so we we kind of live a little old, older style, you know. Right. And what I loved about that is that gave us the opportunity. You know, number one, we always sat around the table to have a meal. Uh, we also would, you know, we'd, we'd sit around each other and talk. And we'd listen to the radio. You know, we used, we used to listen to, like, Prairie Home Companion every Saturday night. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was, in a nutshell, kind of what, what a little peak would be in our family. So so uh, did you, uh, you were Catholic. Did, did you, oh, were, were you, no. you weren't? No, 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 okay. I'm a convert. I'm the only Catholic in my family. Okay, tell me um, about that. Yeah, yeah, we're, um, we're Native American, and so that's our... Okay. That's just the spirituality that I grew up with. Uh-huh. Um, my tribe is in um, Northern California in the United States. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, growing up, we, we kind of grew up in that traditional Native way. Uh-huh. Yeah? And it was in my Native spirituality that I actually kind of found the church. You know, there were so many symbols that, like, you know, reminded me of being an Indian, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I converted when uh, I was 19 years old. Right. Yeah, I was baptized. How did that? How did that go with the rest of your family? You know, it was wonderful. You know, yeah. they were happy for me because there was a sense that, um, you know, that that I had took a different step in in my faith in my journey. You know, mm-hmm. our, our walk was always important, even growing up. Yeah. You know, knowing about God was always important, and ironically. On, on our mantle, we always had a picture of Mary. Right. <laughs> and so I know somewhere down the line that, you know, there's a, there's another Catholic connection, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when, my mom's never spilled the beans about that yet. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, with with, uh, with Native Native American Catholics, I think you really get a good sense of of what what the church talks about enculturation. So you're able, were you are you still able yes. to, or do you see yourself as a as a Native American Catholic and part of that? And I don't want to say it's a different tradition, but sort of in yes. the in in the fullness of what that enculturation means. Yes, I want to say yes to that, but I want to say that it took a while uh-huh. because when, when you know, with being a Native you know Native American, that sometimes in our in our church, and, and not just our church, but other places too, that that 
Native American spirituality is not always looked at in a positive way, you know? And so when I first became Catholic, and, and after I was, even, ah, sorry, before I was baptized, I was told that I should probably let some of those things go, some right. of the beliefs I had. Yeah. And and I believed it, you know, and I, and I accepted it. But it wasn't until later, uh, much of, maybe about 12 years ago, you know, maybe a little longer, that I realized that that who I am, I'm Native American, you know, yeah. in my heart, in my thinking, in, in, in my memories, you know. But what I've realized is I can, I don't have to walk two roads. Mm-hmm. I don't have to walk the, you know, the red road. I don't have to walk, in California we call it the blue road. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I can, you know, like walk that road and then walk the Catholic road. I could walk one road and honor Christ and... Um, and that's where the enculturation happens. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's been beautiful, beautiful to see that happen. It and is unfold. Yeah, you know? no. And I've been, I've been able to participate in a lot of those traditions where, as you say, you're able to honor Christ and follow the church faithfully through yeah. some of yeah. those traditions that you have. You know, um, so that that's really beautiful. What now? Um, I'm thinking about the music in your life and growing up, and I, I heard that you were named after Graham Nash. <laughs> yeah. So and my mom actually wanted to call me that, and and my dad, you know, my my father, father was like, yeah. I think he was jealous. You know, he said, "We're not calling him Graham Nash." <laughs> so, but so your middle he, name he is said, Nash. We, yeah, my middle name is Nash. So he said, "You can keep the middle name, but we should call him Trevor." So was it <laughs> was it a musical family? I don't know, not a, a musical household. Yeah. Was there music like were your parents or your stepdad musical in that sense? Well, um, my mom, I, you know, she was, she would sing a lot, you know, growing yeah. up, what I heard was, um, man, you know, records all the time, yeah. not having a TV was a big deal because, yeah. you know, our entertainment was music, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I grew up, you know, my mom would, and my sister would put on, you know, their, their records and my mom was into Crosby, Stills and Nash, Fleetwood Mac, all that stuff. Yeah. And my, my stepdad's Cubano, he's a Cuban. Oh yeah. And so... So we used to grow up, you know, listening to <laughs> you know, funny All Stars yeah. and you know Santa Cruz. <laughs> That's funny. What a great combination. Ah, oh, it, it seemed to make sense, you know, and, and it really it really shaped. I think the way I think about music, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. Good. That that's what a great uh, talk about a different kind of enculturation. Um, yeah. So you have this 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 new album now with World Library Publications in Shadow and in Light. Can you tell us a little bit yes. about the album and why that title? What's the significance of the title? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, I, just in in my reflections and in my prayers. I've grown to have this sense that God is always with us, you know, mm-hmm. in every single moment, whether whether they're like good times or whether they're really difficult times, whether we feel close to God or whether we feel that God is far away, right. you know? And so this idea for me is is in shadow and in light. You know, God is always with us mm-hmm. in all of those moments, you know? And the other thing I really kind of thought about, too, was... Um, you know, there's that prayer by Francis Thompson, the uh, Franciscan, uh-huh. and and he talks, you know, the the hound of heaven. Yes. And he, and he talks about the gloom, the gloom in me is the shade of your hand, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I've heard that from a friend of mine, another songwriter, and that really went to my heart that how beautiful that is, you know? Yeah. And even in the darkness, we discover God. Yeah. 
that's, so, that's what this one is really about. Yeah, sometimes more so in the darkness and the in the shadows is where you find God. Yes. Um, yes. Now the whole I didn't want to give the impression at the beginning of the program that the whole album is a mass setting. You have some original songs as well as yes. a mass setting. So yes. tell us about this mass for the mass for the healing of the world. What what were you hoping with that? Exactly that <laughs> healing of the world. <laughs> that's a big a big you know, that's a big commitment, Trevor. It's a big commitment, right? <laughs> Maybe for, for you know, yeah, not for Jesus, but for us it is. <laughs> yeah, for us it seems overwhelming. <laughs> but that's what I kind of had the sense of. Now the other part too, Pedro, is that as a Native American, I go back to that. You know, yeah. on Karuk, yeah. Northern California. Yeah, and our job, we believe, our job is to fix the earth. And so, like, my people have been doing healing ceremonies for the earth, and not just meaning, like, the trees, the plants, but the, everything, everything, yeah. the air, the water, the people. Interesting. We've been doing ceremonies for 12,000 years in one place. And so, um, when I first, my first kind of public singing of this, it wasn't at, at a mass, but um, I took my boys to a, a really sacred place for us. It's on the Klamath River. Uh-huh. And it's the place where these ceremonies have taken place for those 12,000 years. Hmm. And so I remember taking my boys and we just started singing through the Mass. And I figure somehow I'm going to connect with, with our ancestors, you know. And what I mean by that is, yeah, my Native ancestors, but um, also the saints, yeah, you know. Yeah, of course. These are, you know, so they're going to be, they're, I know that they're going to be singing with us when we're praying the Mass. So might as well start it at a place like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's my idea. And the the whole reason why this mass even came is I was trying to find uh, a, a way or setting that can easily engage people. You mm-hmm. know, when we're at church. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's a call and response. You know. Yes. And my hope was that this mass might encourage people who might have been away from the church or people who you know haven't been back in a while, and then they come back to mass that even they can sing and pray, you know, the, the Mass with, with their heart and with their mind. Yeah. So, no, that that's, yeah, that's... Yeah, thank you, for, thank you for, for offering us this, because I do believe that this is the type of... It's congregational, but at the same time, it's, it's also mm-hmm. invitational for people. We assume, and I'm a deacon, so I think I'm a fault too, we assume that everybody that's there at Mass, they know what they're doing. And, and, yes. and a lot of people that are there they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the responses. They come once in a while and we need to make them feel welcome. So this is a great way through the music to make them feel welcome. Um, ah, thank you. Good. There you go. So if people want, they can get the album, but they can also get the, the sheet music or the booklet so they can actually play them at mass. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. So they can get that through world library publications. Okay. Trevor, that's all the time we have, but this has been great. I hey. love, I, I've loved talking to you. I've, I've heard about you for a long time, so this has been <laughs> a real treat friend. to finally have you in the program. And I was just in California, so next time I go, we'll have to connect for sure, okay? Yes, come over for dinner. I'd love that. I'd love that. All right, Trevor, yes. God bless. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. You can learn more about Trevor Thompson at his website, trevorthompsonmusic.com and his new album, In Shadow and in Light, is published by World Library Publications. I'm going to put all those links on our site so you can find that easily. Here now is Trevor Thompson with a beautiful song, We Are Your Love, from his new album, In Shadow and in Light.
Listening to Trevor Thompson with We Are Your Love from his new album In Shadow and In Light, published by World Library Publications. And that will take us to the end of the program. Next week, we're giving away a copy of Trevor Thompson's In Shadow and In Light. So go over to saltandlighttv.org slash radio and look where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes and enter your name and email address for a chance to win. You can also look to the for the tab that says Send us a voice message and record a voice message. Tell us what you think of the show and ask us to enter us into the contest. You can also, if you prefer, send us comments through our Facebook page or send me a tweet at Deacon Pedro GM. And a special thanks to the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University for, again, co-sponsoring this program this week. You can find out all about Loyola University's graduate programs that combine Loyola's Jesuit values with the skills to use all digital platforms for evangelization at their website, luc.edu IPS. That's all for this week. Thank you for your support and thank you for listening. Have a continued blessed Easter season. I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Mm-hmm.